Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You were lucky. You were at a station that you enjoyed the music. Mm. And you didn't have like a program manager making you play like, all right, here's Journey again. <laughs> Top of the hour. Uh, best it's five it. o'clock. We're listening and... to the Journey again. <laughs> Don't stop. Sunny 75. Here comes Journey. <laughs> Don't stop. Welcome to Pocket Buds, a back pocket podcast where I talk to my best buds about video games and stuff. This week, we're talking about YouTube. <laughs> 2005. It was a big year for me as I turned nine years old and got to experience the joys of the Nintendo DS. But it was also a big year for the rest of the world because other stuff happened. A Pope died, George Bush got a second term, the trial of Saddam Hussein began, and an extra second was added to the end of the year. These are all things that I generally don't really think about and never will again. In video game events, it was a huge year for Nintendo and PlayStation, but the Frodo Baggins announcement and subsequent release of the Xbox 360 at the end of the year really made waves for teenage boys looking to throw some slurs around over voice chat. But it was one day in particular that is of importance in that year, Valentine's Day. Not because of the love, and not because of the assassination of former Lebanese Prime Minister Rafiq Hariri. It was on Valentine's Day of 2005 that former PayPal employees Steve Chen, Chad Hurley, and Jawed Karim launched the second most visited website in the world, YouTube. Since its inception, YouTube has had an unexpectedly large impact on society at large, influencing culture and trends in a big way, as well as being responsible for the rise of some of the worst people you've ever seen in your whole life. It's a great place to learn how to clean a washing machine and also to learn about a brand new sex pervert that loves playing Fortnite. Speaking of Fortnite, where YouTube has really thrived is as a place for video game content. 
Sure, I generally can't help myself when it comes to watching YouTuber controversies or a four-hour video on why a children's cartoon is actually a masterpiece, but it's the video game content that really hooks me in. And I'm definitely not alone when it comes to just how much people love watching video game content on YouTube. Did you know that in 2020, people watched 100 billion hours of gaming content on YouTube? Isn't that insane? It's hard to imagine that many hours existing. It's also hard to imagine what people did before YouTube. How does one eat a meal if they're not watching a guy talk about the many scandals of World of Warcraft? Or watching another guy talk about a movie like The Thinning 2 so you don't have to watch it? What the hell is a television? Uh? Well, before YouTube became the hub for gaming-related content, most people made their own websites to go alongside their early YouTube accounts. Think Screw Attack, That Guy with the Glasses, and so on. Another one in that same realm, and a group that could arguably be considered one of the pioneers of gaming YouTube, is Mega64. Mega64, founded in 2003 by Rocco Bodie, Derek Acosta, and Sean Chatfield, is a console that makes video games real and has resulted in the creation of a number of funny gamer videos and other forms of media across a variety of different platforms. Originally planned as a public access TV show that was deemed too unsuitable for broadcast, Mega64 went from three guys making silly skits to a whole team making skits, podcasts, streams, and events, and working with the likes of Kojima, Gabe Newell, Tim and Eric, and more. You could say that these fellas are some of the hardest working folks in the YouTube business. So what goes into making things like Todd and Aaron's Game Awards, Dragon Ball Z in five minutes, or even real life speedrun? Joining me to talk about Mega64 and the wacky world of YouTube is longtime member of Mega64 and my good friend, Garrett Hunter. Hello, Garrett. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm uh I'm feeling good. I'm I'm so happy to be on. Uh it's been a long time since we've been together. We're old podcast besties. Yeah, we are old podcast besties. I think the last time pro- oh my god, it was definitely a gaming cult, obviously. But oh, like yeah. it had I'm to have just, been. I'm just trying to think of when it would be because like I know for certain it was definitely a gaming cult episode where maybe half an hour to an hour of it was talking about Final Fantasy. And I. Oh yeah, there was there was probably some fan fiction involved. Oh, big time! Maybe like some like Shadow and Sonic fan fiction kind of yeah. sprinkled in as well. And then you know, just like the hardest beat you've ever heard in your life playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some very niche uh, genre music, uh, kind of kind of embedded over everything. Some oh, little yeah. B references. It was it was good. It was almost as good as two thousand and. When did you say YouTube's inception was? Is this five? Five? Dang. 2005. Dang, the good old days. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, Mega64 started making stuff in 2003, was it? Right? Yeah. When you were, like, reading that all off, it's interesting to put it into perspective, like, how long it's... It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, they were making stuff before YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, I probably met up with them around the, like, YouTube era probably like oh five oh six but yeah they all met in high school yeah well i mean that's what the first thing i was gonna ask oh yeah yeah because they met in high school but how did you get involved uh so i believe it was the early era of web video i think it might have been before oh five maybe this is still pre-youtube yeah i believe they were doing some video game advertisements for a game called cold fear yeah And if anyone remembers the Xbox 360 zombie on a boat smash hit Cold Fear, we were asked to do 
some commercial and they had seen some zombie makeup I had done just on Halloween for myself. Yeah. In a friend's, you know, photo album or, you know, on his MySpace page or something. And they're like, hey, can can you ask that guy to come you know, do zombie makeup for this video we're making. And uh, that was the first time I kind of ever hung out with him. And it was a instant like camaraderie, like, oh, I clicked with these guys, all kind of a generation younger than me. And also, you know, from a different high school. Yeah. And they were out doing their own thing and like making stuff. And I had a lot of friends that were musicians and they were making art in that way, but no one was doing video stuff. And that was kind of always what I was interested in. Mm. And I kind of have like a clung uh, at their side ever since and you've loved it yeah oh my god i uh wouldn't do anything else the ability to like quit my nine to five job and go full-time with these guys was kind of like uh one of those inaccessible dreams that i would always have yeah like yeah you know art is cool you know being creative is fun but you know eh, it don't really pay the bills you got to make sure you got something to fall yeah. back on or you know i was just very focused and very happy in all honesty as like i was an electronics technician before yeah like even meeting these guys and then kind of like just starting my career in the construction industry with a company that i i ended up working for for like 10 years but all the while you know saturdays always helping mega 64 you know Sunday night, I started becoming a regular on the podcast, and that was another huge thing. These guys, like, gave me an outlet and put a f***ing camera in front of me. <laughs> Mistake one. You know, after that, it turned into, like, okay, I got to take a lot of time off to go help these guys run conventions. And then, oh, shit, how about I work part-time for the construction company, and I kind of start working more full-time over here. And then, you know, once 2020 hit, and pandemic kind of changed the way, like, we even make our videos. Yeah. And, uh the way we do business and the way we put on these big quarterly streams. Like we have a big upcoming one called the board game Olympics. Uh, and that's something to where it was like, okay, I got to just make this my full-time gig and like no turning back. Like I'm, I'm so happy and I'm crossing my fingers. It's been working out. Yeah. I mean, it's been working out pretty good. Yeah. Did you always want to do kind of on camera stuff or did you prefer working behind the scenes? You know, I, I think I always did. I think I'm really good at behind the scenes, but I always did want to be on camera for sure, especially like when I first started showing up on the podcast, mm. I didn't know anyone doing video. I'd had a friend that had made some audio podcasts like for the early iPods oh. and it was like, OK, <laughs> cool. Like, wow, this this dude set up a bunch of shit in his you know back bedroom and he's like recording a podcast. This is awesome. Yeah. OK, but then I met these guys and it was like, OK, kind of started out with audio, but they had this embedded audience, which being able to kind of like jump in on the ship as it was already kind of starting to pick up steam was, you know. It's kind of like a, a cheat code, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, I definitely, I think I caught the bug, especially when we switched over to video podcasting and then like, yeah, making stuff for their videos was fun, but there's nothing like seeing yourself in an early video and going, ooh, what's the, what do the comments say? Oh, totally. You know? And you're a performer, you know? I found the, I found it in, in myself. Yeah, I'd, I, I, I guess I was musical, so I'd been in bands and stuff before I knew the guys. Yeah. And I had gotten a little taste of what being on a stage was like. So where they came from theater, I guess I did come from a musician's background, I guess, mm -hmm. as far as like comfortability in front of an audience. It's it's kind of funny to think that they were theater kids because like I just like obviously. It's you know, so funny, right? But like it, it... I, I feel really bad because, yeah, I was like. I don't know. I, want, I don't want to say like I bullied. Like I definitely <laughs> didn't bully theater kids, but I definitely like had an opinion 
in high school of theater kids. Oh yeah. Oh man, I wasn't fr- I wasn't friends with many. They're the 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 loudest people for for very little reason. <laughs> yes. The kind that'll wear a fedora into, you know, a Denny's at 2 a.m. <laughs> after, you know, Pippin closes. And it's like, oh, yeah, you're still rocking the fedora. All right. You know, it's it's it, it's it's Rocco, Derek and Sean. Yeah. I, they, they grew on me. That's fair. Well, I mean, like, you know, there's obviously the mutual interest of video games there. So, like, you can kind of be forgiving to a yeah. theater kid when they have one interest that kind of crosses over with you right yeah totally i mean when it when it all came down to like a common ground yeah there was like video games oh you guys oh you like oh you know what though also it's it was weird it's like with us it's like video games and anime yeah which kind of go hand in hand you know in general i feel like you you... especially japanese video games you got best of both worlds there big time i feel like you can't you can separate them but it's very very rare to meet people who are only into one. Yeah. Or like like a lot of the time, like even, you know, you, you got your your people who like solely play AAA and it's like the big releases. Sure. They probably have still watched like Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Or something like that. Like, like one of the big ones yeah. where it's like, oh, this is cool. Their gym buddies told them about it and it's like, yeah, dude, got, you should check it out. Yeah, you they're know? like lifting weights and one They're of them's like, like well, this did guy you know the one and... piece is real, man? He's like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then, you know, I, I, I gotta think like there's some video game players out there that are just like, you know, I, I play GTA, I play Madden. Yeah. You know, and I bet maybe those dudes don't watch anime I, I could be wrong i think maybe dragon ball i think yeah i feel like i think tsunami like yeah it bridged all gaps it did it peace on earth goku yeah goku really does bring <laughs> he brings humanity together it really it's, does toriyama's a saint he, he, toriyama should be knighted he sh- i agree he should be knighted i feel like they're not knighting people as much anymore but like you know the the king did just well get, let's get cancered so yeah i heard Poor Charles is in for yeah. it. So, yeah, he's, he's got a lot on his plate. But uh, have you heard the theories? But let the prime minister do something. Oh, what's have that? Have you heard the theories about Charles? No. So Is it guilt from what happened to his late wife? I mean. Just kind of eating away at his insides? It's probably some kind of like, uh, oh. karma. But, like, the day that Queen Elizabeth died, Trisha Paytas gave birth to her first child called Malibu Barbie. And so everybody is of the belief. Welcome back, Lizzie. That's exactly right. Yeah. And. Oh, my God. <laughs> God. So when it was yeah, announced man. that King Charles was like going in for a prostate checkup, which I think is such a funny thing to announce publicly and have to announce publicly, mm-hmm. like just going to get my butthole checked, <laughs> BRB. And it's like, yeah, why, is, this, why is it our crib. business? Like, I don't need to know that. Why do I need to know about him yeah, right? you know, getting a finger up the bum? Like, I just, it, like, I don't need to know. I mean, it's good for health. But I don't even know about it, right? It is. I'm at that point now, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm at that age, and I asked my doctor last time I was there. I was like, "Hey, is this time? You know, do I need this? Not that I'm like yeah. goading them on, like I, you know, <laughs> give me the finger, please." And, you, but, uh, and your doctor's like, "I don't need to know about like, that. That's not my business, actually." Yeah, they're, they're yeah, <laughs> they were like, "No, you, no, anything wrong?" And I'm like, "No, but I mean, like, I'm Are you feeling in weird? my 40s now. Aren't you supposed? Is it time? Isn't that time? I heard that. That's that time." And they're like, eh, a couple more years. I'm just like, what? Is a lazy doctor? Are they Why do putting, you keep it off? putting it off? <laughs> like, he's just like, nah, I'm trying to get like my oil it. checked. 
And yeah, I, he's I like, know. that's a personal thing. Um, that's that's none of my business. You don't need to tell me about that. <laughs> See a specialist. <laughs> We're going to book you in a month. Yeah. We're going to charge you extra. It's not covered by your insurance. So the thing is, the day that King Charles was announced that he was going in for a prostate exam, I'm pretty sure this is where it aligned. Trisha Paytas announced that she was having a second child. And people are speculating oh boy. that King Charles might die. And in that moment, Trisha Paytas's next baby will be born. And that will be the reincarnation of King Charles. Oof. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Trisha Paytas has the chance to do the funniest thing oh, in history right the now. The funniest thing. I think she's calling the baby Elvis. And so if that's going to be the new reincarnation of King Charles. The king. The king. Yeah. It's all coming together. Oh, it all lines up. It all lines up. Oh, Ooh. God, I'm excited. Shaking in my boots. Yeah, that, <laughs> oh. that'll be cool. Oh, yeah. It's going to rock. In terms of, mm. of all the work that you've done with uh, Mega64, what have been some of your most favorite projects to work on? Well, we were talking about kind of that feel of being on a stage, right? And, you know, these guys coming from a theatrical background. Yeah. And then we put together, I, I think recently, my absolute favorite thing, doing uh, a, a tour with these guys where we went around the United States. We even dipped into Canada on the last Ooh. one. But uh, just putting together a live sketch show mm. for the stage that has kind of the best of our video characters uh, over the years yeah. thrown in with costume changes and videos playing and like interactivity with the audience. We, we kind of put the first one together uh, 2021, I want to say. And then we did that up East Coast, West Coast. That was like mind-blowing. Threw that material away, wrote a new one, did it again up the coast and uh, and into Canada. And like that experience, just, just collectively as a whole, like touring and meeting everyone out at these like cool venues, like these rock clubs. That, and that was really what it felt like. It felt like, okay, we're a f***ing rock band. <laughs> This is what I thought the dream would be, you know, in high school before I'd known these guys. Yeah. It was like, okay, well, maybe I could get in a band and maybe we could tour. Like, that'd be fun, you know. And I played a couple shows, like, up in L.A. Oh, that was fun. Cool. Oh, all right. We played a show, you know, in Escondido. It's, like, kind of south from San Diego. It's like, oh, awesome, you know. Got a little of the juice, you know, <laughs> being on stage. But nothing was, like... Living in the van and going to a different hotel every night, driving cross country with like the six of us and playing these gigs every night. And uh, yeah, that was life changing. That was that was something I always thought I would do in a band if I was lucky. But getting to do it in like a sketch comedy aspect, yeah. it was bigger or better than I could have imagined. Because I feel like that was really my love. You know, growing up was like just every sketch comedy show on cable television i would absorb you know yeah and that was i think my true love comedy and getting to work with these guys and like go around and do that and i'm just djing and kind of running the videos and getting props ready to hand to them and shit like that but even that little aspect of kind of like controlling the stage show a dream come true let alone like getting to see them perform every night and fine tune that and get a real understanding for like how live comedy works yeah. like seeing the same routines performed 12 nights in a row and them honing 
that knife and like sharpening that blade and like, ooh, that joke had more of a punchline and a way bigger sting because you added this thing on it or you waited on the timing or whatever. Like seeing them work that way is like taught me so much about, you know, being on camera, mm. I think. That that was yeah that that's my that's my number that's one, your number one. getting to do these live tours yeah I mean they yeah. sound awesome and like I feel like because I can't obviously I can't fully re- relate to the same extent but as somebody who has done sketch comedy live on stage it, there there is no yeah. other feeling like it because like performing on stage if you're getting laughs oh my god right? right like like performing on stage you know musically you know you get that thrill of people being there to to you know listen to a song that you've put so much work into right sure and performing a live production that's you know not comedy that's serious like you know people mm-hmm. absorb it and they learn from it and they, they, they get that kind of experience like being at the movies but the people is real in real life but then sketch comedy live on stage, getting that laugh after you've put so much work into that sketch and fine tuning it and making sure that that like each punchline hits. Yeah. Like you could say the closest thing is stand up and, and obviously like they kind of exist in the same realm. But I think it's like you're you're taking the elements of like a stage play where there are characters and there is a story and, and all that. But then you're also taking... Uh, stuff from stand-up comedy where you do have the jokes, you do have the punchlines. Yeah. Putting it together and having the result of people really, really loving it, there is no other feeling like it. It is incredible. Yeah. I'm sure, I I, I bet you like stand-up is the next level of that because then it's like, oh, I get to absorb all of this. Like I don't have to share this (laughs) with anyone. Now that is terrifying to me. Yeah. But- I am the most comfortable person uh, on stage with the guys. Like, it's interesting. I would not want to be up there by myself under any circumstance. (laughs) But being able to get it spread out through this ensemble, I think we all give ourselves this weird. It's a a, to speak in gamer terms. We get a buff being together as as a. A tight unit because, you know, there's there's seven of us here at Mega 64 total. We got we got Meg offsite in Texas, our main graphic designer full time, as well as many of the other hats that she wears. But then there's six of us here in the building. And that was the, the six that also went on that tour. And it's like you got Rocco, Derek and Sean and then me, Johnny and Kevin, Kevin yeah. who like everyone wears multiple hats. And if we can all kind of form that Voltron or as Rocco would like to say, uh, the Megazord. <laughs> We we kind of like, I think, work as efficient as like, you know, a crew double our size. Yeah. Uh, it probably more efficient. Yeah. Once once like you you got us all on stage, it was like, whew, that that was the real feeling right yeah. there. Like I I would love to do that again again. I, I don't want to say <laughs> soon because it's like it's a whole after thing. you finish one of these long tours, it's like all right, I don't think we should go out for more than two weeks. Like that's a lot. Like. <laughs> I do want to get back to just like streaming because, you know, we also do a lot of other stuff. The podcast didn't happen while we were out. Yeah. You know, our game streams aren't happening, which as uh, Twitch will tell you, like you lose a lot of followers mm. without consistency. So there's a lot of stuff where it's like, OK, let's kind of strategically do this throughout the year. Also, there's other live events like conventions that we go to pretty regularly uh, that 
we don't we don't want to miss out on too. So yeah, totally. adding the tour in on a full workload is it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot last year. Yeah. So maybe I don't need to do it again this year, but I don't know. Yeah, it 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 gets I've, addictive, you know. But at the same time, like just talking about it, calls, I got the itch. Right. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. like speaking of the streams, because you started poorly played stream, right? Yeah, the PPS yeah. or the poorly played stream was uh, just kind of me wanting to do something with Twitch. Um, I'm trying to think if it was before we, because we started the podcast pre-Twitch. I think it was. Yeah. I don't know if it was Ustream or even something before. It was Justin TV before that? I don't remember. But but uh, I think once I – I think once Twitch came out and it's like, hey, all our peers are like doing these video game streams. Like what? what's that? And I, I kind of thought like, oh, yeah, what could that be? I, let me start Let me start playing with this on our channel because we were already using it for the podcast. Yeah. I've got this, again, like so lucky to jump in on a built-in audience. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I kind of stayed consistent and then – shaped the poorly played stream over the years into you know we're on like i just go every week i count up another number so we're on 544 will be tomorrow's show oh my god um you guys been going for a while so it's up there it's like uh, it's been turning turning around and looking at like eight or nine years of it yeah. it's like damn it doesn't seem like it's that <laughs> crazy but it it is there's not a lot of game streams that have been around that long there's a lot of streamers who are on on daily yeah. you know have streamed a lot more i just do it for two three hours a wednesday you know i mean with everything else that you guys are doing like it makes sense to sure yeah yeah section stuff off yeah and and we kind of all have a day around like you know they're upstairs right now streaming right now i think johnny tv's on yeah. as we're recording this so it's like everyone kind of has their live stream uh day and their slotted time too as well as the kind of group stuff that we come together for but yeah, poorly played stream has been my main goal is just keeping it consistent. Like every Wednesday, seven o'clock PM Pacific on Mega 64's Twitch. We've never changed that. Um, I've never moved it. I very rarely have the the bye week, as I call it. Uh it's 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 been a lot of fun. Uh we do Metal Gear Summer <laughs> and I do uh resident evil game every halloween like full playthroughs yeah, good. a couple of years we started switch we're running out of games so switch <laughs> to silent hill and then uh i i can break the rules i feel like it's my own version of the howard stern show yeah. so there's a lot of music and a lot of prank calls and uh i have a co-host brian who was a former as you know gaming, gaming cult, cult podcast member, member i do really. i know him well shouts out shouts out <laughs> but yeah it's a blast like i have a good time doing it and that's my one outlet to where like okay you know, doing a multi-person podcast is interesting because over the years, you've learned the rhythm of your co-host. You know, you know when someone's on a roll, you, you got to keep your yap shut. When I'm on a roll, you know, I hope they keep their yap shut. There's like this ebb and flow, but you don't always get all your shit out. Oh, you yeah. know, sometimes we'll, we'll end up talking about, you know, fucking Star Wars <laughs> three hours. And then I didn't get to talk about video games at all. Well, that was the We're talking about Disneyland <laughs> and Star Wars. That was the funny thing with Game and Cult was like it was. All right. So Jake sends his love, by the way. But Shout it was out. Jake. It was Zach. It was me. It was you, Eric, Brian, Dr. Ryan. Cody for a period yeah. 
and then Crystal yeah. and Emily came on. There would just be so much going oh on. Oh my god! It was so many people, and I'm everybody after, was trying to get a word in yeah. ways. And like I was, I think I started oh, on yeah. the podcast when I was like maybe 16 or 17, wow. and I was like, I don't want to be rude, and I don't want to like push in. But then I realized I had to, and I remember like that's the only way. I remember yeah. forcing myself into <laughs> conversations, being like, I'm about to say something funny, so everyone <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Oh work. Yeah. It's so fun to like think back about those old shows and it's like getting our broadcast chops, you know what I'm saying? Getting those ten thousand hours out. Oh yeah. Learn how to cut through. Uh <laughs> but that's Really what I kind of look at the PPS for as an outlet, because all that shit that I had saved up in my head and I couldn't get out on the podcast, yeah. it's like, oh, I'm now the only one here. No one can interrupt me like, OK, I'm going to I'm going to say so much shit. I'm going to forget half of it by the time <laughs> I'm done. And then I realized like, yo, two hours is gone. Like, that's the show. Let's let's okay. pack it in. Thanks for playing, uh, you know, Minecraft. Of course, I start everyone starts playing streaming my first show was minecraft your first show was minecraft <laughs> oh yeah that yeah. rocks pps 001 i mean what a way to minecraft start it, right? on a macbook Ooh, oh, it that, was that it was computer rough. must have been yelling oh screaming red hot yeah jesus yeah oh we've come a long way <laughs> yeah you, you got a whole new setup now if you played minecraft on on that setup i think you'd be fine mm -hmm. i think you'd be sweet yeah, probably. I, I think it'll probably run good. well. And just throw it on the Steam Deck. Yeah, capture it. No problem. See, we don't no have problem. Steam Deck mainly... in Australia. Really? They they uh they still haven't released the Steam Deck in Australia. It's kind of messed up. So you could you could import one, but then you'd have to have like a different region Steam account. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. I didn't know that. This is and this is what was great about uh, GCP is we would have these kind of contrasting, correlating stories of like, yeah, we got this like two years late. We got this. And here we are. And history repeats itself. Yeah. I mean, like Australia is always getting the short end of the stick. It, it, it's, it's What's been up, Biden? Years. It's been years. It's never changed. Come on. And it's all Joe's fault. Joe Biden. Come on, Joe. We're coming for you. G Gaben, get with it. <laughs> That's not a threat. Legally. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> get with it in Minecraft. Yeah, get with yeah. Get get it together in Minecraft on a MacBook or else. Not or else in yeah, Minecraft. Yeah, or else. Yeah. We, <laughs> Parentheses we would like the Steam Deck in Australia, please. Bring please bring Steam Deck. I would really like one. Steam Deck down in parentheses, Steam Deck down under heart <laughs> emoji. Exactly. 
How do you how do you rate streaming compared to uh, produced content on YouTube? Oh, like okay, like nine out of ten. I mean, just like, like compare the just... two, right? And they're very different. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It is. It's lazy because <laughs> there's no editing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I kind of like streaming, yeah. uh, to be real. But yeah, you know, it's live and there's that juice just in the fact that you're live and it's like, okay, you know, in this day and age, it's okay, don't say the wrong thing. Mm. But, uh, you know, also it just in nerves and tension and like, oh, people I know might be watching. Oh, it's live. Yeah. Okay. So there's that like energy of it, which is, which is nice. I definitely like when we can take our time and make something look cinematic because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the way Mega64 has been producing pre-recorded videos lately is like, yo, let's really put all of our effort into the production and make this thing look different than what anyone else out there is making. So a lot, a lot of time can go into that, but also like being able to hone in on a set and set design and Ooh, that's kind of that. Ooh, that's for me. That's, that's where I get to work with my hands. Cause Mm. I'm kind of like in-house props, costumes, uh, makeup and sets. Yeah. And you're still doing all of that to this day. Yeah. Yeah. I was just in there today, just building a set for our, um, our Olympic board game stream yeah. that we have here on uh, Sunday, February 17th. Ooh, very exciting. Uh, but the real like satisfaction I get out of like bringing something like that together and then seeing like the actual video once it's produced and it's up. That's a really cool feeling, especially like, man, when we're doing these in five minutes videos, like our anime stuff in five minutes. Yeah. We just put up all of our Dragon Ball videos kind of mashed together in one like full length feature on YouTube. They had all been up individually, but now it's like, all right, here's all of Dragon Ball Z. Like getting to see that years of work, literal like yeah. I think 10 years from like the first saga to like the last one. You guys have been doing it for so long. Yeah. Oh my God. We aged in ridiculous <laughs> ways in those videos. But you got makeup. It's fine. It's fine. But looking <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So that kind of satisfaction, seeing that get up and just looking at years of work and like, holy shit, especially like something that spans actual years. Very impressive. Whereas like, man, I'll, I'll nudge Brian at the end of a Wednesday night show. And I'm like, that was a good show. We had fun tonight, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was a good one. It's like mm, hard to compare. <laughs> I would say the produce stuff is like absolutely my favorite. Yeah. I think that's my real skill comes together for that. I think you get to see, even if I'm not in the videos, you get to see like my best work go into the other parts of that video. Yeah. Whereas like streaming is, it's still, it's still up there because I love doing it. And I love that instant live satisfaction mm. of like, interacting with the chat even though i'm not the best at reading the chat that's why i got brian here with me (laughs) getting to kind of do my own version of a radio show getting to do like my own broadcast was like something i pretended to do in the backyard as a kid like with my friends like we pretended we had a talk show and like to stuffed animals and stuff like in the yard yeah and to do that in real life now it's like hi guys welcome to the show and today we're playing deus ex (laughs) all right and uh, you know like oh totally like i i come from community radio i was on community radio for god maybe like three years absolutely that's a see that's a dream you innocent in your radio (laughs) career we we love the radio man yeah they put you on the airwaves i've never been on i mean it's it's right it's interesting right because it's like i'm trying to do a radio show on the pps 
And it's being broadcast in video form to a lot of people now that we're streaming on YouTube and Twitch at the same time mm. and then archiving it as well. Like it's it's getting to a lot of people. If I was on a radio station here in San Diego, what am I hitting? Yeah. Two, three hundred cars in drive time. Maybe. Oh, what a thrill. If I'm on a 500 watt station, I don't even know. Oh, but I, but that is a dream to like actually be in a broadcast booth and like work in a real radio station. Let me tell you, it's it's an absolute thrill. And like people say that radio is is dying and I would be inclined to agree with them. But as somebody that loves radio, just because it's dying doesn't mean that it doesn't yeah. still rock because it does. I would do three hour shows and it would just it would just be me playing, you know, I, I'd play stuff off the playlist that like came through the the radio station. Yeah. But I, I'd I'd sprinkle little bits of my own stuff in there. But even the music that they had already was fantastic because it was like adult contemporary, a lot of a lot of indie stuff, really, really cool. Oh, that's cool and then. I just get to talk about it, talk about the the the, the artists that were playing the music and, and I do interviews as well. Like with the podcast, this is kind of like me going back to my community radio roots where I would do interviews with people, but they were like maybe three to five minute long interviews before we cut to, to some more music. And now it's like anywhere between 45 minutes to an hour of talking to people, which it's, I'm good at talking yeah. to people. It's uh, not a problem for me, but <laughs> I got this covered. I got this, I got that dog in me. Woof, woof. And, but the thing is with, with radio was like, sometimes when I was feeling particularly mm-hmm. cheeky, I'd go through like this huge library of like, you know, independent artists that I'd just get to pick and choose from, make my own little playlist for the day. And because it was all stuff that I had chosen, of course, I'd I'd have so much to talk about when it came to them. And there is nothing sweeter yeah. than getting a text on the text line from a truck driver saying that he listens to you every morning on Tuesday and loves what you do. Oh, that, oh for that's me, the best. That was why I was doing it. That that was why I was yeah. doing it. Yeah. Oh. Totally. Oh my God. Truck drivers shout and you, out. Oh. <laughs> so he's, he's listening every morning to Ruby's show. Oh yeah. Every and Tuesday loving morning it. and loving it. And, and you were right. Cause they do say kind of radio's dying and you know, yeah. yeah, the way streaming works and the way, you know, we're podcasting. I feel like that's just us taking the reins and going, all right, now we can cut out the middleman and we can reach more people and we could still do the niche topic that we are passionate about so that we have tons of stuff to talk to people about. Whereas like, yeah, you're, you, you were lucky. You were at a station that you enjoyed the music Mm. uh, and you didn't have like a program manager making you play like, all right, here's journey again. (laughs) Top of the hour. Uh, It's five o'clock. We're listening to journey again. Don't stop. Sunny 75. Here comes journey. Don't stop. (laughs) Yeah. Every morning, you know, it's like the same four songs. Yeah. Like that could drive you insane. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, So you lucked out. You have good stories. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like it was, it was a community radio station. They're still going and they, a big part of what they did was, was like, you could put in your own music and they would kind of select shows that would be best for it. And that's cool. So we had a lot of stuff coming from like, local artists and indie artists but then we'd have you know other stuff like Sudan Archives and Toru Moy and and Mac DeMarco where it was like you had these bigger indie artists and then also these smaller ones and I was 
constantly finding new music. Like one of my favorite tracks I ever heard on on uh, to SCR when I was still there was it was Like I Used To by Sharon Van Etten and Angel Olsen. And if I didn't hear that track on to SCR mm. during my show, you would never know. I would right. never have known that they'd done it together. And it I still to this day, I like will think about it and then I'll listen to it on repeat for like a few days. Yeah, and I won't listen to it anymore. <laughs> Dude, I'm manic like that with certain songs that it's like, here's this one hit wonder or not even a hit. It's mm. just like this one song that I know from something obscure, like some girlfriend put it on a mixtape in middle school <laughs> and I will listen to it on repeat on like an entire plane ride. Oh, it's yeah. like, oh, four hours later, I'm, I'm listening to the same two minutes, 30 seconds and obsessing <laughs> over the lyric. But it's cer- it's only certain songs oh, dude, like that. I can't ride a, cause like I like to ride e-bikes, uh, like the, the ones that you hire. Okay. Uh, I like to go on them because you know, I like the, the Just feeling- to get around the city? The wind blowing in my face. I like that I go slightly faster yeah. than walking. And it's just an absolute delight. I feel free. I feel empowered. And I can't ride line bikes without listening to California mm. Dreamin' by the Mamas and the Papas. Like, I, like if I'm if I'm riding, I have to play that song. Ooh, every time. It's good. It's, a, it's spooky. It's mystical. Yeah, it's a. It's it just. I don't know. There's something about it which makes the ride all the more kind of exciting, mystical almost. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like Laurel Canyon in the fall. Mm. That's what I'm freaking mm. squawking about. That's a good so, one. So we did talk about your favorite project, uh, which was the live show. Yeah. Have you done any projects for Mega64 that you've hated, hmm. truly just scorned? Mm, hated. H- yeah. Hate's a strong it word, It is a Ruby. strong word, and I'm, I'm um, making you use it. Yeah. There's there, You know, there's that love-hate where you kind of like work on something for so long. Yeah. You, you, you start to hate it, but then once it's done, you're like, oh, my God, I'm – so happy we did this. Yeah. But I'm trying to think of one that like really I hated. There were some costumes mm. in the early days, right? Like probably the most viral time for Mega 64, right? Yeah. You got you got our cameo videos with like Hideo Kojima, you know, you got like Miyamoto and and uh and now like the views are really coming in and it's like, okay, game companies are hiring us. Not only like IGN and certain like websites are like hiring us for regular video content, but now like, oh my God, a game developer is like make a commercial for my game yeah. and here, you know, what, here's a budget and like, holy shit for the first time, like this fucking pressure is on yeah. with this costume I got to make. And I, I want to say there's a video that uh, we made for Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, yeah. which was the Platinum Games collab with uh, Kojima Productions. And we got this bitchin top notch <laughs> 10 out of 10 game out of it. Yeah. But um, it was the perfect storm of love and hate. But I did kind of hate this costume. Because I had a super limited time frame and I was still working like full time for my construction company. Yeah. And then I was just after work every day punching holes in a wetsuit and like clamping shit that I had stolen from work <laughs> onto it and like shaping the foam for all of this armor on Raiden, you know. And like trying to figure out how to like get it to stay on this wetsuit and some of the shit's made out of metal and it's heavy and some of the stuff too was like, you know, 
a lot, a lot of the times, in all honesty, I'm making a cosplay for these guys to wear for a video without like, you know, I'm usually trying everything for the first time. So it's like, oh, I'm going to use this Warbla foam I heard about. This is a new <laughs> cosplay shit. Cool. It's like, okay, that's the first time I ever used it. And I used it for that one costume. And it's like, I'm flying by the seat of my pants. I'm running out of time. I asked him for like three extensions. I'm like, can I get two more days, guys? Two more days. Yeah. And then I worked like eight hours all Saturday and then 10 hours that all next Sunday. And like, it still wasn't done. <laughs> like the back of the costume. If you watch the video, it's it's a great video. I'm really proud of it. Yeah. But it's Sean is riding and he's applying he for jobs. He's and the twinkiest of the three. Of course. He's, he's, he's well, he played riding in a previous video. Yeah. So it only made sense. Course, it's like, okay, give him the cool. Give him the cool armor that they designed for him now. <laughs> so he he's like in he's getting a job placement and Derek plays the social worker who's like, maybe you'd be good as a artist. Maybe you'd be good at working <laughs> children's birthday parties. This is the premise of the stupid yeah. video. And we get all these vignettes of Raiden as a chef and Raiden as this and as that. <laughs> And it's like I, I had already gotten like multiple extensions. Like I had broke my back also because I bent over and made this on my garage floor. I didn't have tables. Oh, so I oh was just God. like I was like hurting and I had like <laughs> missed work and called out sick a couple extra days. And, you know, my girlfriend's mad because I've just been like living in the garage <laughs> and the costume's still not done. I didn't do I couldn't do anything on the back. I saved the back for last. Yeah. And luckily, you know, it's like, well, the character didn't turn around that much. And I just, I told him so many times, like, please don't show the back. Just like <laughs> if you walk into frame or walk into frame sideways or whatever, whatever, the video ends, Sean turns around backwards and walks out of the <laughs> frame. And just like the back of this perfect, clean wetsuit is shown to the camera. And I'm like, no, I told but no you one notices that, that part except for me. Yeah, it's a possible That's thing. But that's why I think, yeah, that's, that's. That's my <laughs> my attention to detail is like, I hate that video. I don't hate it. I actually love that video, but I hate that I couldn't finish the back of that costume. I, lo I still love that costume. It feels like a, a reflection on your work, which you know isn't true. Sometimes in the show, I'll say some shit and then immediately cover my mouth <laughs> as if it's going to take it back. Yeah. But like, I know it's not. Yeah. Like, you can't take it back when it's said live. See, because for me, I'm always, I'm always, well, I'm usually across from someone. So it's like, I'm, I'm saying shit out of the side of my mouth into the microphone to see if I can like get Sean to like snap at me. Like, what did you just, <laughs> you know, like I'm looking, I'm trying waters. to kind of get yeah. that. Yeah. Which, 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 yeah. He's my, he's my litmus test. Yeah, exactly. That's like me with, uh, I'd say, I mean, I think all of them are really my litmus test. Like if I'm on the couch with, so it's, it's Gus and Pete my two dads and then yep. Steph who uh, is she's an angel love her to death and and they like they're all goofy silly fun guys but like sometimes like I don't know I let my mouth go first and then my brain catches up and <laughs> oh boy do I know the feeling <laughs> and like but like you know nothing nothing disrespectful nothing nothing bad of course not. you know I'm, no. I'm a I'm a loving and kind girl at heart and I, I care about people's feelings yeah. but like you know something yucky so, something yucky and 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 like maybe people wouldn't like it if you said that so yeah. so like maybe something a little crass yeah maybe something a bit rude yeah like i think the very first episode of the show i was on oh yeah no it was the first episode the very first episode of the show i was on no it wasn't uh, anyway doesn't matter doesn't matter it was an yeah. episode that i was on as a guest 
So this is before I started working mm. here and when I was just here as a guest. I think the Queen died recently. We keep talking about the royal family. I'm sorry. You've already, you made me giggle. See, that's the kind of podcasters we are, though. Like, yeah. you said the Queen died. I <laughs> instinctively started giggling. <laughs> uncontrollably into the microphone. So I, I get where you're coming from, but I'm just going right? to let you continue. Yeah, yeah, okay. So the queen had died recently. And, and like, I I didn't care for it. You know, like royal family, whatever. None of my business. I think we should steal from them. But like the thing. Is, yeah, Right, sure. like, like, and, and like. They have enough. I can't feel bad for the king having cancer when he wears a crown that's more expensive than anything I will ever know in my life. Sorry, but like the thing it's, is, it's our ceremony. <laughs> it's mm, it's it's part of the royal way. Fuck off. It falls upon <laughs> ceremony. Yes, you wouldn't understand. I could never understand. But yeah, she just died. Mm. Rip Queen Lizzie. Yeah. Right. And recent in that moment, I think we were talking about it, and I kind of just like once again let my mouth go first, and then my brain later, and like very quickly. <laughs> brought an L up to my forehead and went rip and, <laughs> oh. And, oh. and the second I did it, I went, Oh, <laughs> and, <laughs> you're like, Oh no. Oh, oh. Did anybody see Canadians that? and Australians? You're like, you're like kind of like closely in parallel, like yeah. proximity to the, the dynasty that is the, the Royals. So I get it. There's like, you know, you want to be like, Oi, you know, but also you're like, Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, like, oh there, she's on, she's on our money. Oh, fuck, she's on our money still. If I got assassinated by the Royal family, I'd be so annoyed. Cause like, <laughs> cause I mean like I'm small potatoes, you know, like I'm, yeah, I'm nothing. Yeah. Oh God. They're not, they're oh, not, God. we're not on their radar. <laughs> There's a gun being pointed at me right now. Someone came in the room. They're, they're in, they're She's in. put her hands up. Oh my God. You know, when it, it had happened while we were writing the second live show, the farewell yeah. tour. And uh, while we were out on the road, part of my favorite part of the night, I'd say, is um, a segment where I enlarged unflattering photos of people who had died that year. <laughs> One of which being a very, very close uh, frame of, of Queen Lizzie herself. It's just part of the bit. It worked its way in, but it was, uh, yeah. I get. I see. I'm, I'm with you on the same dark sense of humor. Like an it's in like, memoriam, oh. but it just—it's an in memoriam, and it's like Lizzie was one of like a twelve, and oh my god, the horrendous, <laughs> the horrendous tribute we paid each night. Um, that is so beautiful to our fallen celebrities. Yeah, rip off fallen angels. Yeah, celebrity worship though—it's something to kind of be mocked. Yeah, we should ah, laugh. You open yourself up to that. We should laugh. At I them. should. Exactly. I should. Ha 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 ha. Bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of farewell, you know the tour was the farewell tour, not the farewell tour, the farewell tour, because you you farewell. guys farewell. Yeah, leaving. we're still going. You're still going. However, yeah, twenty plus years. Yeah, this crazy. this year and kind of the end of last year really was very much a wave of many a YouTube creator deciding to up and leave the platform. You know, that is right. A lot of people kind of toning it down or just leaving completely. Yeah. What do you think is kind of, in your experience as somebody who's been part of a team that's been working with YouTube for quite a while, uh, what do you think of the kind of recent series of departures from YouTube? Do you think there's anything that's kind of sparked You know, it? it's interesting because like I'll be the first to admit like I don't, 
watch really much on YouTube. Like I I make a lot of stuff that goes online. But as far as like the way I consume YouTube, it's like, how do I fix this part on my car that stopped working? Oh, how do I (laughs) solve this puzzle in Resident Evil 2? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's like, oh, five seconds and I get a thing and it's like... There's some shows I will say I, I do like um, uh, video essay content. Yeah. I have some I have some friends that make some stuff. I check their stuff out, but for the for the most part, like yeah, like these these everyday creators that all kind of in a sudden and that's what I think it was. I think it was a a trend. Yeah, um, started leaving YouTube last year at the at the end of last year, and we were kind of standing around going like, all right, how the <laughs> how the how the chaff falls mm. at, at our at our presence, how they bend to our will and we surround what's left here. You know, like we, we kind of did have a we are the champions moment with some of these creators dipping out. We see it as competition, you know, yeah. can't kill the cockroaches of the Internet. Yeah, yeah. So that so, that, you know, but I, I do feel like it was a trend. It's like if I had to guess and from what I've heard just, you know, uh, amongst people uh, that also do stuff for YouTube. It's like, I don't think the money is there where it used to be mm. years ago. And I know this just personally, like having my personal YouTube channel, like at the height of like 06 to like 2012, like, man, I was making videos on my flip camera, <laughs> uploading daily, just nonsense of us around in the studios a lot of people have these memories of mega 64 that aren't even really like main channel stuff it's like a dumb video sean had on the yosemite land account or Derek had on the gustavo account and it's like we each had personal youtube channels too that we would do crazy shit on uh or just dumb shit you know like fooling around in a taco bell um (laughs) but that was the good golden era of 2006 you could just find like some kids fucking around a taco bell yeah uploaded to youtube with two views beautiful stuff yeah that used to pay as well like even the limited views i got it was like oh my god like they wrote me a check at the end of the year (laughs) like that's crazy well that all like stopped and then you know at that point i was kind of focusing on twitch streaming and making less stuff for my youtube channel mm. but then i think too in the last couple of years like from what i've heard it's like it just doesn't pay what it did yeah and maybe that's why the first big names kind of stopped or announced that they're going to stop i feel like it's also you get another video out of announcing you're going to stop and then maybe you get so much outcry from your fan base that that's like oh i was just testing the waters i'll come back i'm not sure if any yeah. of those artists have done that or just but, one last big payout um, yeah yeah but i i would guess maybe it's just like it doesn't pay what it used to and they've found that hey man this isn't like a viable way to like support my lifestyle i have to like start doing other things if i'm going to keep making money and maybe that's more live streaming on yeah. different platforms or getting a real job yeah Kidding. or just you know it's all real jobs it is it that's a, that's that's the one thing is like I was talking to my sister and her kids like, yeah, I want to be a YouTuber. Mm. I'm just like, oh, wow, mm. that's his goal. Like he wants to be a YouTuber. Yeah. And, and she's like, oh, man, all his classmates, like everyone, like little kids, like watch streamers, YouTubers, like YouTube families and all this like content that's just blah. Yeah. You know, it's like so boring and so easy. But 
is it? Like, yeah. I bet there's still like tons of editing. I bet there's still like some sort of like planning and everything that goes into yeah. it. It is a job. It's, a job. it's weirdly, it's At a job. At the end of the day, YouTube is a job. Somebody's got to do it. So, <laughs> somebody's got to do it. And speaking of somebody's got to do it, I got to end this podcast because we've run out of time. I could go forever. Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you yes. so, so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. It's been nice going back down. Oh, it's my pleasure. Totally. And a big thank you to you for listening. If you're liking what you're hearing and you'd like to hear more, consider supporting Back Pocket over on Patreon. If you support us at the silver tier and above, you can get access to our bonus episodes. In this week's bonus episode, Garrett explains the confusing lore of Metal Gear Solid and, better yet, tries to justify it. What's the deal with Metal Gear Solid? Ooh, this is the potential with so many landmines ah. for me to get stuff wrong and because yeah. it's a twisted tale. I'm not going chronologically. I'm going game by game chronology, not like full timeline. Because okay. this is how you would, as a fan, digest this stuff, right? Okay. First, Metal Gear. You're Solid Snake and it's top down and you're infiltrating. I believe you're going after your former commander, Big Boss, right? You defeat Big Boss, you blow him up, boom. And hey, if you really like what you're hearing, why not give us a five-star rating on whatever podcast platform you're using? Better yet, why not give us a nice little review? You can also find us on Twitch, where we've got our main live show every Thursday from 7pm, and on TikTok, where we're constantly posting very good stuff for you to cast your big, beautiful eyes on. And then there's the socials, a la Twitter and threads and whatnot, which you're also welcome to get around. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in. And as the embodiment of YouTube as a person would say, bye.